Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage podcast with Greg Gregory. Join us as Greg interviews powerful thought leaders and successful team and leadership experts from across the country on teamwork, leadership, and organizational culture. Now let's check in for this week's episode. Welcome to the Teamwork Advantage, a podcast that is dedicated to the enlightenment and advancement of everyone looking to work on, build, be a part of any team. And that can be a team at home with your family, all the way through the board suite of a Fortune 100 company. Hi, I'm Greg Gregory, your host and creator of the Teamwork Advantage. I want to take a couple of minutes today to say thank you to many of our guests over the year. We've been together now uh, through the pandemic about a year and a half, and we've had some exciting guests. We've had an NBA retired player. We've had a retired NFL player. We've had musical entertainers. We've had several military personnel, and thank you to all of our military personnel who have served in our services. We've had corporate people, we've had uh, volunteers, we've had folks working in every aspect of business from the front line all the way through CEO of companies. Without you, the podcast, the Teamwork Advantage podcast would not be where we are today. But I wanna take a little bit out today because I've gotten several emails over the last few weeks and we took some time off in the middle of the beginning of the summer to get our offices moved and we're here in Annapolis, Maryland uh, just a few blocks from the water of the South River, which is leading into the magnificent Chesapeake Bay. And I would be remiss if I didn't say I absolutely love the Chesapeake Bay. Folks, I just want to take a minute to say, to say thank you to everyone who's listened, who's downloaded. Please do subscribe. It's important to us to get our numbers up. We want to make sure that we're reaching as many people as we possibly can. So subscribe to our channel, the Teamwork Advantage Podcast. And let's get this thing rolling. We're excited to launch into our third season now. And uh, well, we're gonna, you know me, if you've listened to any of my programs before, you've been fortunate to sit in any of my training sessions, you know I don't work from a script. I never have, and I don't intend on starting today. What I do wanna talk about today though, is some of the messages that I've gotten from folks. Uh, they're grateful for a lot of the information we provided over the years, but there's one kind of underlying question that's kind of popped up over the last several months. And that question is, Greg, they say, you do a lot about how to build a team. You do a lot about how to create the culture, but we haven't done a whole lot on what it takes to be a team player. And I kind of went back to a lot of our podcast guests and I realized they're absolutely right. What does it take to be a team player? So I've broken this podcast down into five simple steps for what it takes to be a team player, not just any team player. Okay, let's be clear. A group of people working towards a common goal is not a team. That's just the beginnings of a team. And as I have said many times before, teamwork is the single greatest advantage any organization can have in today's competitive workplace. And that's absolutely paramount. The key thing to understand is teamwork does not happen overnight. Look at the Olympics. Look at what we have seen happen in the 2021 Olympics in Tokyo, Japan. Simone Biles, 
the team leader, under so much stress, what did it take? Can you imagine the pressure she was feeling when she stepped back from the team competition? That was not only a great team player, it was a great team leader. We'll talk about why as we go through this today. But if we look at other aspects, I have been in awe of the athletes from all over the world, helping each other, sharing gold medals, instead of going into a uh, competitive jump off in the high jump. Track and field stars who tumble, they help each other up and they run together the rest of the laps. Teamwork, sportsmanship. It's not just in sports. Sportsmanship is in our business every day. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today is what does it take to be a great team player? Because what it takes to be a team player is also what it takes to be a great sportsmanship. So let's kind of get into this a little bit, thinking about team players. You know, when I asked the question in a training session to come up with, you know, the types of teams, and I tell everybody baseball, football, basketball, hockey, soccer, the basic ones aren't done. And I want them to come up with out-of-the-box ideas about teamwork and what a great team is and to identify them. Some of the better ones I've gotten over the years are a flock of geese, a beehive, an anthill. Yeah, they're all working in teams, even though they're animals. A family unit, the emergency room, the operating room. And I've had the privilege to speak to a group of folks and have stood in an operating room and not been the patient and watch how they work together. That was with the Norfolk Centara Hospital in Norfolk, Virginia. How they worked together, how they focused, how they worked impeccably together in that operating room. And I also had fun. What does it take to be those team players? What does it take to work there? I'm often in awe of groups that function so perfectly. And I am shocked when I see backstabbing and groups that don't want to do anything. I asked a question one day in a training program. If I could show you a way that within 90 seconds of meeting someone new, you could communicate with that person more effectively, build a better morale for the team, increase your productivity as well as their productivity, would that be beneficial? I had a gentleman in the program, I'm not joking, he sat back in his chair, crossed his arms and said, no. He obviously didn't want to be a team player. Guys, it's interesting when we see all this. So let's get into it. Five things you can do to be a better team player. First, and I do believe this is absolutely vital, allow yourself to be vulnerable. Did Simone Biles allow herself to be vulnerable when she stepped back and they said it was nothing physical? That's letting herself be very, very vulnerable. Just being able to speak about that. When you let yourself be vulnerable, you start to find out where the other team players are. 
You've got to build vulnerability trust. Now, what do I mean by that? Very simply, if you look at predictive trust, which is where if I ask Bob to do something by Friday at three o'clock, and I know Bob's pretty good about doing things, I got a pretty high probability that Bob is going to deliver that information to me by Friday at three o'clock. That is predictive trust because I can predict that he is going to do that. Vulnerability trust is, hey, Bob, and I could be his colleague, I could be his team leader, it doesn't matter. If I said to Bob, I said, hey, listen, it's been a while since I've worked on this software program. It's been a while since I've done this. It's been a while since I've worked with this CAD design. It's been a while since I've done anything here. It's been a while since I've handled a customer service call over here. It's been a while since anything. Guys, technology right now is driving us crazy. We're getting so much new stuff every minute. There's no way any one person can stay on top of everything all the way through. And that's key. So if I go to Bob and I say, hey, Bob, I'm not sure I remember how to do this, or this is new and I haven't learned this one yet. I know you took a little lead on this. Can you help me? That is a letting me become vulnerable. Now, here's the secret part. That can really only work if I trust that Bob is not going to stab me in the back, that Bob is not going to use something I shared with him down the line to hurt me. Now, likewise, Bob has to trust that I'm not going to use something against him down the line. When we have a team that is set with that, it is amazing. When we're vulnerable, we are absolutely growing. As John Kennedy said, a rising tide raises all ships. Say that again. A rising tide raises all ships. I invite you to take a look at Google or YouTube, a search called the Bay of Fundy, time-lapsed photography. Take a look at that. Watch how that tide comes in. It doesn't just lift the big ships. It does, just doesn't lift one or two ships or boats. It lifts everything in the harbor. We've got to allow ourselves to be vulnerable. When we do that, we allow the rest of the team to start to grow. So that's number one. Now, number two falls in line with that kind of dovetails. And it's, well, let me back up. In my sessions, I will often ask a question. How many people here are willing to help another colleague on their team? Inevitably, every single hand goes up. Then I ask the question, how many of you all are equally comfortable and asking either one-on-one -on -one or globally to your team, asking, for help. You see, that ties you into being vulnerable, but you cannot be afraid to ask for help. There is no way that you can do everything. Matter of fact, I'll encourage you, really focus on the things that you're really outstanding at. 
focus on those. It was once said, and I can't remember who said this at a session I attended. They said, don't focus on your weaknesses, because if you focus on your weaknesses, you will have a group of strong weaknesses. Focus on your strengths. Don't ignore your weaknesses. Build on your strengths. Ask for help. Don't be afraid to do that. Now, by the way, when you ask for help, that does broaden your sense of knowledge, which is absolutely key. So when you're asking for help, yes, you're broadening that sense of knowledge. That's the wonderful part. Broaden it. But here's a little caveat. Let's call this bullet 2A. You have to be a, not be afraid to ask for help. And then once we've asked for help, we've got to be able to share it. We've got to be able to share our knowledge. The more we share our knowledge with people, the stronger team player we are going to be because it lets our colleagues know that it's not just about us. Number one is allow yourself to be vulnerable. Number two is don't be afraid to ask for help. Two A is once you get that knowledge and you've asked for help, don't be afraid to share that with other people. And whatever knowledge you garner from wherever you garner it, don't be afraid to share that. Number three, set aside your own personal agenda. There's nothing worse than to work in an organization, work on a team where I know that somebody has got a personal agenda. They want to get to the next level or whatever. I just, I know of a situation from one of my clients. They interviewed somebody and they see, where do you see yourself in three to five years? The candidate said, in your position. Can you imagine that? They were coming in with a personal agenda to take the job of the boss that they were getting hired by. Needless to say, that person did not get the job. Now, don't get me wrong. I have no problems with people wanting to step up and take initiative. That's great. I'm all for that. But when it comes across as having a personal agenda, that hurts. Because now your colleagues are going to break down the level of trust they have in you. So set aside your personal agenda. Stop thinking about I and me and start thinking about you and we. Change that metaphor. Change that context to think about the entire team. When we start setting aside our personal agenda and doing that, that is where we start to really grow. That's what starts to happen. Now, keep your goals Absolutely. Don't stop setting goals. Don't stop trying to grow. Don't stop trying to learn. Just don't make that the number one thing. Don't make that the number one thing. Because then all of a sudden everybody thinks it's about you. Set the goals aside. Set the personal agenda aside. Still go for your goals. My great friend and mentor, the great Zig Ziglar said, there's two kinds of goals. There's give up goals and there's go up goals. Give up goals you should share with the world because they'll hold you accountable. 
go up goals. Share those with just your closest inner circle. Because that way you're not coming across as braggadocious, not coming off with a sense of entitlement or a sense of an agenda. That's the strength that you start to build. So let's recap it again. Number one is allow yourself to be vulnerable. Number two, don't be afraid to ask for help. And then caveat on that 2A is when you're asking for help, once you get that knowledge, don't be afraid to share that knowledge. The more you share, the better. Number three is set aside your own personal agenda. Now, number four is going to be an interesting one. And I attribute Patrick Lencioni, the great author of the great book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, for this one. And that is, don't be afraid. And definitely do this. Ask others to hold you accountable. Now, for somebody like me, who is as distracted as a squirrel running down a street, let me tell you, I need somebody to hold me accountable. I struggle with that every day. I have a hard time because I'm dropping the ball. I'm trying to think about 14 things at once. You may not be that way. My late wife, Glenda, was the type of person. She could sit down and just have laser beam focus. <sighs> what I would give to have something that some of that. Absolutely fascinating. And yes, even if you're that person who has that kind of laser focus, not tunnel vision, there's a difference between laser focus and tunnel vision. If you're the person who has laser focus, you still want to ask somebody else to hold you accountable. It's not showing that you're weak. It's actually showing that you're strong. When you ask somebody else to hold you accountable, they're now becoming a tutor. When they become a tutor, hold you accountable, and guess what? They start to raise their game. And they might even ask you to hold them accountable. Think back for a minute. In high school or college, did you ever tutor another student because he or she was struggling? Well, I always tease that I was always in that part of the class that made the upper half possible. I hated school still do not like school. On the other hand, I love, love to learn. Yes, that's right. I hate school, but I love to learn. That's kind of an oxymoron for some of you. My freshman year of college, I took a very basic math algebra course. I had been out of school. I took a gap year and I'd been out for a little bit. And I just wanted to get back into it. So I took a class that I knew I could do okay in. Keep in mind, I still hated school. I got into this class and I was doing a solid B. For me, that was awesome. That was awesome. The TA came to me and said, hey, Greg, there's a few people in this class who are struggling. Would you be willing to help tutor them? I kind of looked around like, me? Tutor? What you talking about? Me, me, no. He said, Greg, you've got a solid handle on this. I was like, okay. So I started tutoring about four kids. 
my solid B went to a solid A. First time in my life I ever got a solid A in a core program. Hmm. I was excited. I started to reflect on that and figure, why did that happen? It's because I was teaching somebody else. And I had to hold myself accountable. So I was holding them accountable to do certain work. And in turn, it was forcing me to hold myself accountable and do better. That's what we're talking about. Now, number five. This is an interesting one. Because it's, it's, it sounds common sense. It sounds like, duh, of course you do this. Yet I'm often amazed at the number of times I see it being breached blatantly. And that is to be respectful of your teammates and open to new ideas. If you've been in your company, your organization, your team for anywhere of any length of time, you've kind of gotten comfortable. If you've ever attended my training programs, you know I do a thing about the three zones of life, comfort, growth, and panic. Okay, you've gotten into that comfort zone. You're so tuned of what you're doing and it's working. Of course, some of you would say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But somebody new comes in and has a new idea. You've got to be respectful of them and listen to them. You've got to be open to their ideas. Because while their idea may have seemed stupid five years ago, today, it may make the most sense in the world. <clears throat> That's what we've got to think about. That's the direction. Open yourself to new ideas. Because the way technology is changing us, everything is changing us greatly. And that is a huge challenge for each and every one of us to work on. We have to focus. We have to look at those things that are open, new, and exciting. That's the secret. Once we open up our ideas, then we can begin to flourish. Steve Jobs was amazing at that. He was great at getting us to realize those things that we didn't even know we needed, much less needed, wanted. Treat everybody with that respect. Come in with that respect. By the way, when you do that, you're going to start to build trust. And that takes us back to number one. Let's go over these five again. Be vulnerable. Allow yourself to be vulnerable. Share your vulnerabilities. Share your challenges. Share the things you need help in with others on your team. And get them to do the same thing. That's a great exercise to do, is to share. One of the exercises I do is to have everybody come up with something that, that happened to them in their childhood and how that's impacted their professional life today. When you do that with your team and everybody starts to get to know each other a little better, you open up the lines of vulnerability. Number one is allow yourself to be vulnerable. Number two is don't be afraid to ask for help. And when you get that help, be sure to share that. Share that knowledge. That's the best part is sharing it. 
Call centers have been working on this for years. They have a knowledge-based library system, a, a simple knowledge base, so that if you call in with a question, they should be able to keyboard it in and come up with a possible response right there. And that's because other people have called in and they've built their library with that same information. Is it perfect? No, not by a long shot. It is a lot better than it used to be when you had people go, I don't know. Allow yourself to be vulnerable. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Share that knowledge. Number three, set aside your personal agenda. When we do that, we all start to get a little bit better. Ask others to hold you accountable, even if you're good at it. And number five, be respectful of teammates and open to their new ideas. This is how you are a great team player. When you start to do this, you start to build and mold a team. And once we are a team player and a great follower, then and only then can we start to look at leadership. I encourage you, study, learn, grow. I'm Greg Gregory, the host of the Teamwork Advantage. We hope you found this interesting, helpful, and informative. You know, once a week with the Teamwork Advantage, you gain skills that are not just impactful, you get ideas that you can act on. Until next time, remember, Having a good day is just being average. And when you listen to the Teamwork Advantage, we know you're not average. So go make today an excellent and exceptional day. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been the Teamwork Advantage with Greg Gregory. To learn more about how Greg can help your organization develop a powerful winning culture, visit teamsrock.com. That's T-E-A-M-S-R-O-C-K.com. Be sure to join Greg next week when he interviews another exciting and powerful thought leader on the Teamwork Advantage. Until then, as Greg says, make sure you have a great week because a good week is just being average.